Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from Him today. So please enjoy. So today's message, I you know write this down, the rest of your life, I think you see that on the screen here, the rest of your life. Uh, today's message will address our time, our life, God's will in contrast with his purpose. So we want to look at that. God's will in contrast with his purpose, addressing our life in the time that we have on planet Earth. Now, I want to share the challenge. And, and, and sometimes, and a lot of times, when God challenges me with something, I know it's something I want to challenge you with as well. Because I think God needs to be able to speak to the leader uh, in order to reach the people that he leads. And so uh, as of this year, in April, I turned 64 years old. And believe it or not, I used to... (laughs) Yeah, thank you, thank you. I I feel better already. (laughs) Um, I used to think 64 was really old. You know, it's uh, almost the age of retirement supposed to be 65 or so there. Um, and, but I began to think, how much time do I have left on this earth? Because I think of a decade, and, and it seems like decades go pretty quick now that I'm older. But how much time do I really have left on this earth? 15, 20, 25 years maybe? Now, uh, the Bible you know, talks about long life. Um, our youngest daughter, Mackenzie, believes I'm going to live to 120 um, and, you know, and that's, that is possible. I don't know if I want to live to 120, but I'm, I'm game for that if, if I'm healthy and well and still able to preach, right? <laughs> Did you hear? <laughs> My wife's shaking her head. I'm in trouble already, okay? Now, so... As I thought about the rest of my life, I really was thinking about how am I going to spend it? How am I going to invest it? And the Lord directed me to a passage in 1 Peter 4, which we're going to look at this morning. It's a passage I was very familiar with, but the Lord just really directed me there. Um, And he began to challenge me on how I was to, to determine to live the rest of my life on earth, understanding that as I get older, I have less time to work with. I want to finish the race well, and I want to finish strong. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and we're going to read this, then we're going to pray. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting at verse 1, it says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking, And that speaks like a a military person would would take up his armor, okay? Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. We'll come back to that and talk about that. Verse 2 goes on to say, So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, 
passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. So what we see in this passage, we see in this passage identity, determination, and transformation with an outcome of a life lived for the will of God. I'll I'll repeat that. We see in this passage the identity. We see identity, determination, and transformation with an outcome of a life lived for the will of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts to you today and we subject ourselves to you. We surrender all, just as we sung about this morning. We submit our lives, Father, with hearts that are open and receptive to what you want to speak to us today through your word. I thank you, Father, for those tuned in online, our online family, as well as those seated in this auditorium, that you would allow them to listen attentively to your word, giving them revelation, insight, and understanding to the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Now, I want to make a statement, and it's a simple statement. It's life is time. And we can also say time is life. Understand that the word life relates to time because your life is measured in time, okay? The rest of your life also means the rest of your time, okay? So those two words are interchangeable uh, as we uh, proceed in this message, and and it's just uh, a true statement, okay? Now, we can say the rest of your time is the same as the rest of your life. How much time do I have left? And how do I want to spend it? How do I want to invest it? Time is a commodity that we often waste. We waste a lot of time, folks, and I'm guilty. I waste a lot of time, but I, want to, I, I desire to be a better manager of my time because I know I have less time on this earth than when I was 20 years old, okay? So I want to pose this question to you, and I want you to think about this throughout the message this morning. How will you live the rest of your life? How will you live the rest of your life? And sometimes people think, well, you know, I'm going to get serious with God down the road, but I, I want to do some things for myself first, and then I'll completely commit my life to God. I'll get serious with him. Uh, I don't know if you want to take on that uh, venue with that mentality because you really don't know how much time you have and how much time you have remaining. We need to ask the question, what or who are you living for? You know, when when you look at a tombstone, getting back to my early job, my first job, you know, I, I would drive by a lot of tombstones in that cemetery. And it's interesting because it had a year and a date that a person was born, and there was a dash in the middle, and then there was the date and the year that the person died. And all there was was this dash, and that dash represented their life on earth. And so how do you want to spend your dash, okay? Because as short as that dash is, when we compare it with eternity, that's in reference to our life on this earth, that little dash. Now, there were some tombstones where uh, people would buy the tombstone before they died. So it would have the date of their birth, it would have a dash, and then it was blank on the other side. 
So that indicates to me, well, that person's still living because there's not a date on the other side of the dash. And so how do you want to spend your dash? Just think about that for a moment. Now, the word rest, because we're talking about the rest of your life, the rest of our life, has significant meaning. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be addressing two parts of our speech concerning rest. We're going to look at the noun, and we're going to look at the verb. There are actually eight parts of speech in the English language. How many of you know them? Okay, if you're English major, oh, some of you know them. Uh, well, I have a list of them for you if you don't know them. Uh, maybe you can list them, but there's nouns, there's pronouns, there's verbs, there's adjectives, adverbs, uh, prepositions, conjunctions, and interjections, okay? Now, I wasn't very good in English, okay? And maybe you can you tell that, I don't know. But that was, was not one of my favorite classes. But um, anyway, uh, in first, oh, let's get past that. In First Peter chapter 4, verse 2, we see rest used as a noun. The noun specifically defines rest as that which remains or is left. Rest used as a verb is, is, ref, is refraining from labor or exertion. It's time off. It's uh, relaxation. It's inactivity, okay, in that sense. And we'll look at uh, the noun of rest today, but next week Pastor Deb's bringing the word, and so it's going to be powerful. And I know that's going to convict me because she keeps telling me, you don't know how to rest well, I'm, I'm going to pay close attention to when she preaches next week, and I'll be taking good notes, okay? Um, but we need to know how to rest. We need to understand the importance of rest in that sense as well. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, uh, tells us, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Some of you are weary, worn out, tired. Uh, last month, we, the beginning of the month, I, I talked about that God gives hope for the weary. And we see where Jesus gave us an invitation, come unto me all ye that are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. We'll find rest in Jesus for our souls. And, and so that's, we'll focus on that next week. But it says in verse 10, for who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So rest is, is an important topic. Uh, for the believer, and in the, uh, in, in the economy of God, it's important from his standpoint. Now, Merriam-Webster defines rest. The definition of rest is to be free from anxiety or disturbance, to remain confident, to trust, to be based or founded. It means you have a foundation. You've, you've found a place of rest where you're secure. And uh, so the Greek word for rest in First Peter 2, and I'm going to spell it because I don't want to mispronounce it, is E-P-I-L-O-I-P-O-S. And if we have a Greek scholar, you can just say that out, but it's E-P-I-L-O-I-P-O-S. And it's defined as the rest left over or what's remaining. And that's what we see in the context of First Peter chapter 4, verse 2. So the rest of my time, what are we going to do with the rest of our time? Now, just recently, I uh, assisted uh, uh, the Portage County Sheriff's Department to give a death notification for a family. I serve as a police chaplain for the county. 
among, there's a, a number of us that serve in that capacity, but we get calls and uh, we respond to those calls uh, when there's families in time of need. And so a young man at the age of 24 was killed in a car accident. And I had to be there to inform the family, uh, assisting the police officers in doing that. And 24 years old, death came. His life ended suddenly, unexpectedly. None of us know the day that we're going to die. But yet we can be prepared and plan for that day ahead of time, right? You don't know. this, This might be your last day on earth. Hopefully not. But if it is, how are you going to spend the rest of your time? Because none of us are really guaranteed tomorrow, are we? I've often discovered that when God deals with me, that he probably wants to deal with you on a subject. And so this message is for me in this present season. But I believe it's also for you, regardless of what your age is, whether you're 64 or 24. Turn with me to 1 Peter 2.11 and because I believe that uh, God has called us to live a godly life. In 1 Peter 2.11 it says, My divinely loved friends, since you are resident aliens and foreigners in this world. Now we need to think about that. We're resident aliens and foreigners in this world because this is not our eternal destination, is it? This is a temporary place that is preparing us for what God has prepared for us in eternity. It goes on to say, I appeal to you to divorce yourself from the evil desires that wage war within you. See, I believe this is the place, and this is the Passion Translation, this is the place where God condones divorce. He really does because um, we can divorce ourselves from evil desires that wage war against us. All of us are battling a warfare of things trying to suck us into this world to uh, control us, to dominate us, to destroy our lives. And so that's a battle that we are very aware of. And and in this message, I want to share three important things that we need to know about the rest of your life. Because as a pastor, I want to see you overcome the challenges, the tests, the temptations, the trials that you encounter and face. Because we all face them. We're all dealing with temptations. We're all dealing and struggling with issues. And God is determined for us to overcome, and he's made a way for that to happen. And so uh, three important things that we need to know about the rest of your life. Number one, arm yourself with the same way of thinking of Jesus Christ. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking of Jesus Christ. In other words, we need to begin to think his thoughts. We need to think with his mindset as we approach situations and circumstance. That's what we see in this passage. Um, see, in that very first verse, it's a sense in First uh, Peter 4, 1, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. In other words, he wants you to think like him. Now, Notice it says, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And Jesus suffered in the flesh. Now, I want to qualify this statement because sometimes people can read this and say, oh, I guess we're supposed to suffer. And they spend a lot of time focusing on their suffering. And, 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 
but it needs to be qualified because suffering in the flesh is different from suffering from oppression, from sickness, from disease. It's totally different because as far as suffering from oppression, sickness, and disease, and, and temptation, there's deliverance, there's victory, there's healing, there's God moving to intervene in our life concerning that kind of suffering. But the kind of suffering we're talking about is suffering in the flesh. It's a depriving of the flesh of, wit, of what it wants so you can give God what he wants, okay? And um, so we need to deprive ourselves of what our fleshly nature wants, the wants and cravings that are according to the pattern of this world. And, and see, Philippians 2.5 tells us, I don't have a slide for that, but it says, let the same attitude be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Let this attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, he wants you to take on his attitude. He wants you to take on his way of thinking. He wants you to see life through his perspective. And 1 Corinthians 2.16, I love this passage. It says, for who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? And basically it's saying, are you going to teach him anything? Uh, no, don't, don't even think about that. You can't instruct God on anything. And sometimes we're trying to tell God something and instruct him, but God, don't you know? Well, he knows it already, okay? Um, but notice what it says. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. That's something sometimes believers seldom use. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have the mind of Christ. Oh, my. Hey, maybe you're not acting like it, but you should start, right? But we need to take hold of that. Lord, you, your word says that we have the mind of Christ. That means we have access to God's mind so we can begin to think and see things from his perspective. See, I, I believe that we also must develop a righteousness consciousness not just a sin consciousness. We need to be aware of our sin to bring us to conviction and repentance. But we also need to be aware of our, our righteousness in Christ because we've been made righteous in him because he deals with the sin. See, we can't deliver ourselves from sin. Jesus does that. You can't overcome your sin on your own. Jesus helps you overcome that because he paid the price for you. But it's learning to trust in him to deliver you and to set you free so that you can stop sinning and live a life before him that's righteous. And Romans 6, if you turn there, we're going to look at verses 8 through 14. I believe this is important to really consider. Romans 6, chapter 8, uh, verses 8 through 14. It says, now, if we have died with Christ, now this is speaking to believers in reference to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, trusted him as their Lord and Savior, and so there's an association, there's an identification with Jesus that believers have when they put their faith in him. We're made one with him, so we identify with him in his death, his burial, his resurrection. And so it says again, now if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. Verse 9, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives for God. Now, verse 11 goes on to say, So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is a word to all of us. We need to consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
See, when you're struggling with a sin, you need to simply say, Lord, according to your word, you said I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. That no longer has dominion over my life. That no longer has to control my life. It, it goes on to say, and, and you need to give that consideration. Again, verse 11, so you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, then this is where your will comes in. Let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You see, sin will try to make you to obey its passions, but you don't have to let it. Verse 13, do not present your members as sins, as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those that have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. See, that's where surrender comes in. We sung about it today. We present our bodies to God. We submit ourselves to God. Lord, this body is the temple of your Holy Spirit. This body is your instrument for you to use, not to be used to commit sin. And then verse 14, I love this. It says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. See, God's grace is his enablement, his ability to allow us to do what we can't do in our own strength. And so sin shall not, will not have dominion over you. You need to declare that over your own life. Sin will no longer have dominion over me. God's word is written. It will not have dominion over me. So number one, again, arm yourself with the same way of thinking of Jesus. Begin to take on this mindset. And that means that sin is not going to rule your life anymore, okay? Uh, point number two, we must determine to live for the will of God. We need to determine to live for the will of God. Uh, through Jesus, God enters into our suffering. Now we are called to enter into his. So the greatest suffering is depriving your flesh of what it wants. You know, uh, growing up, my dad loved ice cream and we would have the Swans uh, truck come to our place and my dad would buy ice cream in the, the big two and a half gallon containers. And in our freezer, we had at least four or five of those containers. Chocolate chip mint, maple nut, and uh, you know, you name it, chocolate, uh, vanilla, you know, that one took a long time because people wanted all the other stuff. But, and then we sometimes we get ice cream bars, we would get the, uh, uh, all that other stuff, the push-ups and those things. Um, and so every night, the tradition in our family was we would have ice cream. And you know something? Uh, as you get older and if you keep up with that tradition, you start... Uh, experiencing the bulge and uh, your flesh begins to to reveal what you've been doing okay and, and so when you get to the point where you realize okay I need to deprive my flesh of what it wants so I can be in good shape so I can be healthy uh, so I don't have to uh, deal with all kind of health issues so there's a a time when you decide, okay, I'm not going to have that bowl of ice cream tonight. And, you know, and you might still have some left in the freezer. And it's speaking to you from the other room. <laughs> I'm here waiting for you. Come and eat me. And you think, oh, okay, I'll just have 
Only one bowl instead of two bowls tonight. <laughs> so, and then you go up to the refrigerator door and you open it up, you look at it. I know I shouldn't do this. And you cave, you give in, and you feed the flesh. You're satisfied. Oh, this is so good. But you get to the point where you decide, nope, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so um, your flesh is going to suffer because it wants something that you know isn't necessarily good for you. And that's like a parallel in understanding what we need to do in our flesh to stop doing what's wrong and begin to do what's right, to live for the will of God. And it's important to understand that, that um, uh, suffering in the flesh is depriving it of what it wants. If you want to be in health, if you want to be fit, then there's certain things you need to deprive your flesh of in the natural, as far as food is concerned. But also spiritually, it's the same thing. There's certain things you need to deprive your flesh of spiritually, okay? Because the flesh is in reference to the, uh, the carnal nature, the natural nature, the sinful nature of mankind, okay? Which we all have to deal with uh, in, this, in this life. So, uh, so what will suffering in the flesh accomplish? We see the outcome in 1 Peter 2, uh, 4.2. And I'm going to read this in, in a number of translations because I believe different translations emphasize different aspects of this verse to highlight it and make it more meaningful and relevant in your life. So as I read through these, some of these are going to maybe minister to you in a way. Now, they all are scriptures that reflect the truth of God's word but it presents it in a slightly different way using different wording. So 1 Peter 4.2 in the English Standard Version says, so to live the rest, for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. No longer for human passions, but for the will of God. See, that's what we change over to. That's what we shift over to. 1 Peter 4.2 in the New American Standard Bible reads, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human lusts, but for the will of God. First Peter 4, 2 in the Amplified Bible reads, so that, we, so that he can no longer spend the rest of his natural life living for human appetites and desires, but lives for the will and purpose of God. First Peter 4, 2 in, in the Passion Translation reads this way, and I like this. So live the rest of your earthly life no longer concerned with human desires, but consumed with what brings pleasure to God. Can you embrace that? To live with a, to be consumed with what brings pleasure to God, that that's a driving force and motivation in your life. The voice reads this way, so that you may live the rest of your life on earth controlled not by earthly desires, but by the will of God. So this all focuses and centers on God's will. So then, point number three, it's time to stop living like the world lives. It's time to stop living like the world lives. In 1 Peter 4, 3, the reference for that was for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Now, I don't know why the Apostle Peter listed these items on the list because there's a lot of other things he could say, but maybe this was something that they were really facing in their time that were prevalent sins 
in that culture. But we have prevalent sins in the culture that we live in today as well. But God gives you the ability to stop because he empowers us to overcome sin. First John 5, 4, 4 and 5 reads, For everyone who has been born of God, and this is the key, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Verse 5 goes on to say, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So the key is being born again. The key is having a relationship with Jesus so that you can have that overcoming power so that you don't have to be controlled by fleshly desires and sins. So the worship team could come up at this time and asking the question, how do I want to spend the rest of my time, the rest of my life? I want to live to serve the purpose of God and the will of God, and in, in particular by investing in the next generation. I don't want to abandon this generation, but I want to invest in it. When I was younger, I was not much of a generational thinker, but I certainly am now. In Psalms 145, verse 4, it says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. See, Pastor Deb and I, our passion here is to invest in this generation, the next generation. And those of us that are older, this should be a major concern in our life because we have grandchildren and we don't know what the world's going to look like in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But by investing in them now, we can make a difference then in their lives. And so I want to spend the rest of my time to do the will of God. And that's the call and the challenge that I'm, I'm putting before you today to respond with that determination. Will you determine to live the rest of your life for the will of God? The re- spending the rest of your time to do the will of God and serve his purpose. Now, uh, there's a number of people here today and, and you may say, I'm not sure um, where I'm at in my relationship with God. You may have questions about the future. You may have questions about even knowing what God's will is for you. And so I believe that God is wanting to give you something today and begin something in you today that's going to initiate change so that you can shift in your life to begin to follow Jesus more fully in your life. I mean, you can be a Christian. You can be a nominal Christian. But to truly follow Jesus, it requires complete and total surrender. Or you will not walk in the fullness that he desires for you. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about this message today? Philippians 1.6 declares, and I'm sure of this, that he who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. I believe everyone in this room, God's already begun a good work in you in his desires to bring that work to completion. I'm going to extend an invitation this morning 
Uh, and if you're listening online, this is for you as well. I want you in the auditorium to just bow your head for a moment. And as I extend this invitation, it's simply, will you completely surrender to Jesus so that you can spend the rest of your time for the will of God and not to serve the flesh, not to do your own thing? What does God's will look like? Well, it may be somewhat different than the person next to you, but yet in principle, it's the same. It's a surrendered life. It's a devoted life. It's a Christ follower. Maybe you're here and you say, I know that my life is not right with God, and I'm willing to surrender to him today. I'm willing to make a commitment in my life today to him. With every head bowed, nobody moving around right now, nobody looking around. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know my life is not right with God. Thank you. I see that hand. Are there others this morning? I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty, your sincerity, and lifting your hands. Are there others this morning that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know my life is not right with God, and I want to be right with him. Thank you. Okay, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand up together, if we would. This is a very important moment, so I don't want people moving around. We want to honor the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in people's lives right now because I believe he's stirring something in you in relation to his word that I shared. The Spirit of God is at work in us right now. For those of you that raised your hand this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer. You can just pray this prayer out loud. Everyone can pray this prayer. We call it the believer's prayer. It's simply a prayer to initiate a determination to follow Jesus, to surrender to him, to commit your life to him, to follow him. So repeat after me if you would. Heavenly Father, I come before you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe he rose from the dead to give me life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. I surrender now. Make my life what you want it to be. Father, I pray for everyone that prayed this person silly and even for the first time that you would begin to do a miraculous work in their heart, that you would give them life, that you would free them, Father, from sin and its stronghold over their lives. Father, thank you for filling them with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for allowing them to be born of your Spirit, born again to this new life in Christ Jesus to experience you for who you are. Father, let them encounter your presence even now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So how will you live the rest of your life? I want to pray another prayer for everyone else. My desire is that you live for God. My desire is that you break free from 
directives and directions that are taking you on the wrong journey, on the wrong road, the wrong path. I believe there's so much in the balance today. and There's so much that God wants to do if you open your heart to him. Let's pray. Father, I pray for this congregation. Father, my desire is to see them walk in your fullness. So I pray that you reveal yourself to them. Father, let them begin to embrace what we shared today, asking themselves the question, how will I spend the rest of my time? How will I live the rest of my life? Will I live for myself? Will I live for what's wrong? Or will I live for you, Jesus? Thank you, Father, for surrender now within this house. Just talk to the Lord right now in your own words. Say, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender my will to yours. Not my will, but your will be done. In Jesus' name. And I take authority over strongholds that would try to interfere and stop the progress of God in your life. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Now, we're going to, in a few moments, have the prayer team up here to pray for you. Anybody needing prayer? If you raised your hand for the first time, we invite you to come. If you made a commitment to him this morning, we have other resources we can give to you and, and give you direction. But if you need prayer, maybe at that point that you're struggling and, and, and you're coming to that point of surrender, say, Lord, I want your will. I want everything that you have for me. See, that's the place of desperation we need to be in, that we want everything that God has for us. I don't want to live a nominal life. I don't want to live a mediocre life as a believer. I want everything that Jesus has for me. Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day.